Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching in February 2024. Remember, the b2bincubator.com. Apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand journal roles, and content leads and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategy that they created in it. Again, make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. and welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome to the B2B playbook podcast. On to episode number 23. Kevin, I'm smiling. My eyes are open. But you told me a little earlier that I look terrible. Thank you very much. Well, I'm just worried and concerned about your overall well-being, George. You do look a little tired today. Well, it's been a big week for us, and you've got to be careful what you wish for. All I've ever wanted was attention, Kevin. And, uh, you know, after a week of being on someone else's podcast, uh, getting my face out there a little bit more, being very active on LinkedIn, the attention's been tiring. You were very active over the weekend. I did see that. Yeah, that was a mistake. That was a big mistake. (laughs) I mean, we did get more reach. And so I actually think, Kevin, I think the reason that reach is a little hard to get at the moment for people on LinkedIn, because it's sort of like when everyone starts up at the gym again at the beginning of the year and everyone's like got their new goals for 2022. And in the same way, everyone wants to get nice and fit. I think everyone's doing their content goals on LinkedIn Uh, at the beginning of the year. So all of a sudden, there's so much more content flooding the platform and there's still the same number of eyeballs. So I just think that naturally it means that the amount of reach that you're going to get probably is a little bit limited. So then I thought, well, I bet there aren't that many losers out there like me posting on the weekend. Let's post on the weekend (laughs) and see what happens. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, we got we got some more reach, but then off the back of that, we got some great engagement, but that also meant that I was engaging and I my mind couldn't stop and I couldn't sleep well last night. So what do, you, what do we get from this? Yes, you do get more reach on the weekends, probably. Is it worth it? Probably not. Probably not. No, health first, George. Do appreciate the work you do all the time to push us out there, but make sure you get your rest on the weekends. Oh God, you're always looking out for me. 
I got such a smiley, happy Kevin today. I thought last week you looked a little grumpy. Today, you're a smiley, happy Kevin. Look at you. Well, I've been using my standing desk recently, so that's giving me a lot more energy. Maybe maybe I should have been doing that a lot earlier, but that's something. <laughs> but yeah, Kevin, I uh, before we took a quick break from when we spoke 20 minutes ago to recording this episode, I said I needed a cup of tea. I went down, had a look at the different options, and... I was like, oh, I didn't sleep well last night. I probably shouldn't have anything caffeinated. So then I found another tea which said, I didn't see the ingredients, but it said it gave me courage and strength. (laughs) And I thought, well, that sounds pretty good. But then I did look in the ingredients and there was no caffeine there. So I just went for a green tea. So as you can tell, I'm caffeinated (laughs) now. Um, And I have no courage. (laughs) So what's changed? (laughs) Oh, George. Even tea you can make sound interesting. Well, I don't know how you're going to segue that across to today's topic, but I'll start off with a recap of last week. We did talk about how to get cut through with your content and how to do that. Part of that is around starting with content and making sure that it's helpful because that's what's going to build trust. And trust is what you need to get someone to see you as an expert and eventually trust you enough to buy a product or service from you and take that risk on. And Kev, helpful content is really what your dream customers are going to care about. And they care about it because it has a positive impact on their lives. So they actually have a reason to listen to you. Your editorial mission that we spoke about last week, that's how your content is going to make this impact. And remember, your editorial mission is not about you. If it's about you, they won't care. So make it Mm. about them. We also spoke about your content tilt. Your content tilt is what makes you stand out from your competitors. It's your unique point of difference. It's what stops people when they're scrolling in their LinkedIn feed or that feeling that someone gets, like they feel at home when they come across your content because it's speaking directly to them because it's made for them. It's the reason why, Kevin, when I went to that Facebook group for DJs, I felt very out of place because I'm not a DJ. But the DJs who went there and they saw the super high-tech equipment as like the background image, when they saw that, they felt right at home. Yeah, that's right. And you can only do all this if you speak to your customers first to understand what they need help with. So that was last week. That was really part one or step one, whatever you want to call it, out of the content strategy. This week, we're discussing the other half to that. We're discussing part two, what content and platform you should pick to distribute your content. Kev, this is really important as you can have a great premise for your content. You can have a great tilt, meaning a great reason for people to tune in. But if it's not in a format that your dream customers like, or if it's not distributed on a platform that they're going to be hanging out on, then you're not really giving your content much of a chance to be seen by the right people, are you? That's right, George. That's why we think it's really important to take you through some of the considerations that we think are crucial to helping you pick the right format and platform to distribute your content. Yeah, as a quick example, I mean, if I'm selling, let's say, EdTech, EdTech is very sexy right now. Everyone's talking about educational technology. If I'm selling EdTech to a school or to school principals and my content is about, let's say, the impact of education tech in schools, then long-form articles on our company blog might not be the best way to reach the influencers and decision-makers of your target market if they're school principals. They might prefer shorter, more digestible and engaging formats. Uh, They might not just have the time in their helter-skelter days to go through and sit and read long-form content. And then I know that 
teachers, their jobs are so engaging. When they come home after a long day at school, long day of being on their feet and teaching, probably the last thing they want to do is go and read some long format case study about how your ed tech is making a big impact in the classrooms. I'm not even sure they'll have time between the papers they need to mark and the next chapters they need to prep for. So definitely that's a good point, making sure that the content form fits the audience. It's a great example, George. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, just while we're talking about that, this almost relates maybe a little bit more to what we discussed last week with finding your editorial mission and your tilt. I saw someone on LinkedIn, they're starting an EdTech podcast and they wanted to interview sales and marketing people from EdTech companies to talk about the impact mm -hmm. of EdTech on platform. And I just thought to myself, if I were the person at the school who's going to be buying this product, would I want to be listening to sales and marketing from other edtech companies to tell me about the impact of their platforms in classrooms? I'd probably want to hear from other schools and other principals and other teachers themselves who are actually much closer to the students to get those insights directly. So I think that's probably just one example of making sure that your editorial mission and your tilt is fully aligned. If you speak to your dream customers first to understand what it, it's not about you, it's about them. Just a little tidbit, Kev, that I wanted to share. Yeah, nice one. All right, Kev. So we said today is all about picking your content format and distribution. We're starting with content format. Let's unpack that a little bit and talk about what we mean when we say content format. What we mean is, should your pillar piece of content, meaning the content that you pour the most energy into, should it be a podcast, a mini show, long form blog content? Should it be a webinar? Should it be a short video? There's a bunch of different options that you can consider when you're trying to choose your content format. And there's two main considerations that go into making a decision around what your content format should be. The first is your goal is to help your dream customers and show off your expertise. So pick a format that the expert in your company is comfortable with. So the point here is if your resident expert isn't comfortable, say with video, then that will translate across the viewers of that video. So if your expert is gonna hate doing it, they'll probably start making excuses for not doing the content and that's not ideal. We don't wanna stereotype, but uh, say you have a fairly technical engineering person and that's your resident expert helping you create the content and they don't love doing video, then don't force them to do it. Oh, Kev, I hope you're not putting our engineers offside here. But no, it's, it's, a, it's a good example. And I think it is really important that the person who is generating this pillar content is super comfortable with the format that they're doing it because consistency and frequency is the strongest point here. And that's what you need to do. So as you said, Kevin, if they're not comfortable with it, they're going to make excuses. They're not going to stick to it. So you and I, Kev, we were self-conscious about being on video, so we recorded the first 20 episodes of this podcast without video. And now even this season, we're just recording while we do our podcast so we have some clips for our LinkedIn content because you and I probably still aren't fully comfortable with the idea of being on video for like an hour straight live. 
we're just not comfortable with that yet. Yeah, I'm definitely not comfortable yet with the whole video thing, but I guess, you know, <laughs> you're, you're pushing me to it and I think it is a necessary move. It's the sort of content that resonates well with our audience on LinkedIn. And yeah, again, we're walking the walk. We need to go where our dream customers are and, you know, select a content form or format that they're comfortable with and they want to consume. Yeah, but we started off with just audio and that helped us get through 20 episodes every Monday back to back and we stuck to it. That's right. And that leads us nicely onto the second consideration for picking a format. And that is, it has to be a format that makes sense to your dream customers and specifically from their point of view. So back to that engineering example, let's say you're trying to win government projects and the target audience might prefer written concrete information with a lot of tables and graphs documenting the data that you're trying to show them. You can't really do a lot of that on video. You do need to have a fairly written long form piece of content because it looks, I mean, on surface more official, but it's also a lot easier for a reader to disseminate that within a larger organization and also to dig deeper and interpret that information at their own pace. Sorry to interrupt guys, but I need to let you know that our next cohort of the B2B Incubator is launching in February 2024. For those who don't know, the B2B Incubator is our no-fluff program that gives you the strategy, the templates, and the tools that you need to drive more revenue for your business, not just leads. It's built for small in-house marketing teams with limited time and budget. So if you're ready to act on all the advice that we give you and you want to start driving more revenue for your business, next time you sit down at your desk with a cup of coffee, remember to head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort. So apply now for our cohort launching in February 2024 so you don't miss out. The b2bincubator.com. Check it out. All right, back to the episode. And Kev, we're not saying that just because a long form blog is more suited to your audience, you can't do video and video is not an opportunity. We're just talking that about this being your pillar content. So you can always take like the salient points from that long form article or some points that you think are going to spike a lot of discussion and then have someone else, you know, record those in front of a camera or take, yeah, take some points away and just reiterate them in front of the camera, just a couple of paragraphs, something. And then that can be your video content there. But yeah, we're focusing on what your content pillar is going to be like. Yeah, actually that, that point that George was making around stripping out the main points and repurposing the content, we'll come to that in our next episode. We'll a bit more on that later. Um, but it really helps basically when you're thinking about it at the start to start thinking about that uh, long form content to start with that you can chop and repurpose later because it starts to bake efficiencies and consistency into your content creation process, which is very important, as we mentioned before, for continuing that content creation. Cool, Kev. Well, I think they're the main points that we needed to cover on at least what format people should choose. Before we completely move on from that, it probably is worth doing a quick review of perhaps what your competitors or people in your landscape industry are already doing, what formats they're doing and what is working well there. It's always good to know, I guess, what other people are doing and where you're going to fit in before you go ahead and get started to make sure that you are positioning yourself differently. Let's talk now about choosing a platform. So which platform is going to be right for your content? Where should it live? And then 
This may be a different platform, but where should it be distributed? Meaning where are people actually going to see your content? Where are you going to disseminate it? Kev, you and I always tell people you should pick one to two channels to begin with. Now, we love it when people focus when they start because it's easier to get some traction and get some momentum when you're consistent and more frequent in one channel as opposed to spreading yourself really thin over multiple channels. The reason we're not just telling people to only pick one channel, we say maybe one, maybe two. We spoke about this a little earlier, Kev, just you and I, and we were saying it's probably because it depends on whether the platform that you've chosen to host your content is good for distribution as well. So Kev, for you and I, we are hosting our content as a podcast. There's really no great way to distribute that podcast within podcast as a medium itself, short of appearing on other people's podcasts. It's very difficult to get the word out about you. So we made a conscious decision that LinkedIn was going to be our distribution channel. So we have two channels there. We've got podcast where we're storing everything. And then we have our distribution channel, which is LinkedIn. But if LinkedIn is your primary channel, say you're just doing a little video series and that's where you choose to host it, then LinkedIn can just be your sole focus and you only need that as your only channel. Yeah, that's a great point, George. And I think it leads nicely onto the main consideration that we suggest you think about when choosing a channel. As we said before, you should be picking one or two to focus on. And that one or two, and we've talked about it in the overview before in previous episodes last season, is to choose that one or two channels where your dream customers are. I think the best example is, again, the B2B Playbook podcast. So we picked podcasting because it does give us a longer form piece of content that we can then dive into a bit more detail about different aspects, different concepts, different frameworks, give some examples as well. Um, But there was no way, as George was saying there, of distributing that content. So we really also needed to use LinkedIn. And we chose LinkedIn because that's where our dream customers are. Our dream customers are people in the marketing space in a professional context. They like this format of going onto LinkedIn and getting information from LinkedIn for their learning. And that's really where we want to be to help them in that process with the B2B marketing strategy that we're talking about, the five Bs. So being on LinkedIn was very much part of the two channels that we picked to launch with right from the beginning. And uh, I'm sure George, as he gets deeper into the TikTok world, he'll suggest we move on to that next. Uh, but there is very good reasons for that. You know, the, the younger generation, a lot of the current generation are getting more and more onto LinkedIn. And it's not just about dance videos anymore, as everyone has the impression of TikTok being. But you can use TikTok. And a lot of people do use TikTok these days to learn different things in a very short form video format. Uh, So that's probably another channel that we'll be looking forward to next. But we are sticking true to what we said before. We're picking one or two channels. That's podcasting and LinkedIn for us at the moment. And we're focusing in on how can we get the most out of those channels? How can we get enough traction before we turn our attention to something like TikTok? And one of the ways of doing that is through video content that we're we're now thinking about. But it's still on the LinkedIn platform. Uh, So that is your first consideration again, is choosing the channels where your dream customers are to focus on first. That's it, Kevin. And I think it's also the context of those channels. Marketers, uh, they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on TikTok, they're on LinkedIn. But you and I, we wanted to share our information in a way 
where it's presented in a perhaps a slightly more serious environment. Because, you know, what we do take what we do seriously without taking ourselves too seriously, but we do take it seriously. And um, we felt that LinkedIn was a medium that reflected that. It was much more about learning professional development rather than sharing memes. So we thought that the context of LinkedIn was the perfect place for at least us to begin our journey there. That's very true. And it's important also to think about the life cycles of each of these platforms as you dive in. Right now, LinkedIn is up and coming. It is getting to that maturity spot. But there's some other platforms which would have in yesteryear been a suitable channel for you, but now maybe not going forward. I think the the prime example for most marketers when they think about these platforms and where they are in their life cycle is Facebook. Uh, Recently, the quarterly earnings just came out and they were talking about how for the first time since 2015, they've actually had a decrease in number of users on Facebook. Wow. Their earning projections are down, their earnings are down. Uh, so obviously for Facebook, that is a platform on the decline. And so that's maybe not where you want to invest your energy into. And as well, we've talked about how to look at these different platforms. And for Facebook, they're definitely past that maturity point where a lot of the space on there is taken up by ads. So your content, your organic content is going to have a very hard time getting the reach that you want because it's on that maturity scale towards the end of its life cycle because it's inundated with ads rather than organic posts. Then your organic content is going to have a very hard time reaching your dream customers. Whereas something like LinkedIn or even TikTok There's a lot more organic space. Uh, LinkedIn is starting to fill out a little bit, but it's still definitely earlier than Facebook. So it's still worthwhile for George and myself to invest there and to get moving there. And then as well, you can consider within the platforms themselves, what's the context versus yourself, your business and your industry? Do you have first mover advantage? These are the things that can help give you a leg up as you start producing your content and distributing it on these channels. So little things to consider, I guess an extra layer of considerations when you start picking that one or two channels for your content distribution, but still, you know, you should focus on a subset where your dream customers are. That life cycle of a platform is such a great point, Kev. And you're absolutely right about Facebook, but I don't want people to jump into LinkedIn now and think, oh, we're at the tail end of LinkedIn. Frequency, consistency is the most important point here listeners like you have to turn up again and again and again you can't just go and do it every day for a month and think oh well that didn't work maybe the platform's too saturated i better go to the next shiny thing don't do that please just focus on first where are your dream customers right now and where are they engaging now and start there just don't do it on facebook probably Probably not Facebook. I think, you know, even something like Instagram, you know, a lot of people are writing off Instagram sometimes. A lot of people I know, including myself at one point in the marketing industry, wrote off Snapchat as a a really good marketing channel, particularly in the B2C space. But actually, if you look at the numbers, if you look at the growth that Snapchat's experiencing recently with the short form content, uh, video content in particular that's coming in, that's fashionable at the moment. Snapchat's actually making a really good comeback and there are channels that will come back and they will have these uh, second peaks in their life cycle. So it's important to, as George said, to stick to 
the content production cycle, whatever that might be for you, for the channels that you've picked and stick with it for, you know, six, 12 months before you can really see some traction. And that might seem like a long time, but it will go very quickly. And then before you know it, that's really going to help a lot in terms of your reach. But yes, Kevin, consistency and frequency is everything. Before we move on to TikTok, we really want to get into our regular cadence of posting all of our content, you know, every day and having time to engage with people who engage with that content as well. So as you know, we record on the weekends and then it takes me basically one morning to write and produce all the content for every day for the following week. And so we're into a really regular cadence. We wanted to make sure we had all that done and that we're focusing our efforts on one channel before we turn our attention to TikTok. So it's probably still going to be maybe six weeks away before we delve into TikTok. Yeah, I should say a thank you as well to you, George, at this point. You do do the vast majority of work on the podcast past the recording stage and the editing. You know, we do the recording on the weekends, sometimes during the week at nights. I do a bit of editing early in the week and then away you go producing all the content that everyone sees for the coming week all the posts on LinkedIn and everything that goes into the videos as well. And you do a lot of engaging on LinkedIn, a lot more than me. I'm, I'm your classic lurker, as you've mentioned <laughs> in a few comments. I am one of those classic lurkers. I just don't have the opportunity to do that much during the week. So appreciate all your hard work, George. No, no, Kev. And I think, look, it's great to have someone else as part of your team where you take on different roles. You know, one really focus on that creation, one on distribution. And, you know, for us, the podcast is definitely our pillar content. It's what we take a lot of pride in. And you edit that up really nicely for us. We don't just rip the track from our live recording and throw it out there. You always tie it together so it's really nice and tidy because what we're putting out here, the B2B playbook, we're structuring in a way that we want people to be able to go back and work all the way from season one to wherever we're going to be, season 10 in the future, and work through it step by step. These episodes are evergreen. So it's important to us, at least, that the quality is uh, highly produced. So I appreciate your effort there. And a great note to our listeners to, yeah, it helps Stick to that consistency, frequency, and quality when you have someone to do it with to keep you accountable. That's it, George. Again, listeners just want to re-emphasize that point. You know, figuring out that routine, that cadence is probably more of a topic for next week, but it is important for you to figure that out early on, not give yourself too much pressure before starting to layer on additional things. All right, George, the next point on selecting channels that are appropriate for distributing your content is about maintaining a social presence and why that's so important. It's important because you do need to have that distribution channel that gives you the opportunity to establish a two-way conversation with your dream customers or with your intended audience. You don't get that as much through maybe podcasting or even TikTok. YouTube is borderline because there is that comment section, but it can get pretty out of hand and it's difficult to maintain a two-way conversation in the comments. And so for something like LinkedIn, where a lot happens in the comments section, and then a lot of conversations then go to direct messaging, whatever, whatever it might be, connecting as well. That's what you should be looking at when you think about your social presence as well. Building into your channel mix something that has a social presence that allows you to have that two-way conversation with your customers is important. Even with your dream customers is important. As we talked about in the previous episode or two, that allows you to get that feedback from your content and then improve it. Yep, everyone needs to put 
the same amount of time at least that they spent on creating the content into distributing it. And that's why, as we said, if your primary channel for content is podcasting or YouTube, then you need to find another platform that's more social to distribute it. Kev, you had um, some pretty interesting examples you were telling me earlier about content formats. Did you want to throw in a few of those uh, for our listeners so that they don't just have to think about, you know, content being like a podcast, a video? You had a couple other cool examples. Yeah, definitely. Look, in the last couple of years, obviously, with a lot of things moving online, the B2B space was definitely no exception, if not leading the way in a lot of that. So to round out this discussion around picking distribution channels and the format that you should do your content in, there are a few very interesting examples that have come up. One is TikTok. So TikTok actually hosts webinars for their creators. So people on the platform or freelancers who work within that ecosystem. Generally, those webinars talk about things that are very helpful to their producers, to the content creators on their platform. Things like how to upskill and trending topics in the content. But what's actually interesting is they've hosted this, what is traditionally kind of a boring webinar format, but they've added in, I, I overheard from a colleague the other day that you know they've, they've chucked in a DJ halfway through that webinar series. So it becomes more of a party rather than just a presentation. And you know, for, for us, we might initially hear that and think, oh, a DJ on a webinar, that's a bit weird, you know, like it's not like you can have a party online like that. <laughs> it doesn't really go. I think we've both heard and experienced a few, you know, awkward drinks, Friday drinks, things like that over Zoom, and it just doesn't really ever work very well. <laughs> so when we hear that, it's a, it's a little awkward, but then you think about that audience that they're trying to reach and trying to keep interested in these really important things that can help that creative uh, space, that ecosystem. And it's a younger generation. It's a younger group of people who might enjoy that sort of both the music and the format that it comes in. They're a lot more digital native and they're comfortable with that setting to enjoy a bit of DJ entertainment halfway through an education webinar about how to upskill on creation of content on TikTok. So that was a really prime example that I thought TikTok did really well in terms of picking a format that resonates well with their audience and also picking experts, whether that's a DJ that's been on their platform or people who are experienced with talking about the upskilling and trend topics within the TikTok platform. They all sort of resonate with the audience and the industry ex and the experts in-house. So that was a great sort of win-win-win for everyone in terms of picking that format for them. Another good one I saw was a data company at attending a marketing conference, but it was a virtual conference. And basically, it was a conference attended by a lot of CMOs, senior marketing managers, and they were talking about the topic of data privacy changes and how it's going to impact marketing data. So again, I thought that was a really good selection of both the channel and the format. Let's talk about format first. Obviously, if you're going to a virtual conference, you expect keynote addresses about main trends. So that is immediately on point with that audience expectations of that content. They're already coming engaged and ready to learn from a virtual conference. And secondly, it's a slightly longer form of engagement. It takes place over almost an hour. So you can dive a bit deeper into more complex and technical topics like data privacy stuff. You know, there might be some law in there. There might be a bit of technical jargon in there that needs explaining around how the back end of the data works on websites. There might even be uh, a need to talk in a bit more depth around 
how that then applies to marketing data as well. So I thought that was a great selection of content format first and foremost. And secondly, I thought it was a great selection of a channel. So obviously a lot of these conferences used to happen in person. A lot of these conversations and content sharing used to happen long form in an article or presentation in person. But with, with COVID, with limitations on travel, obviously virtual conferences become a lot more important. So I thought that was a great selection of a channel where they could find a lot of their dream customers, this data company, the CMOs, senior marketing managers who get to make decisions around how marketing data is handled and what tools they use. That was a great selection of a channel that really reaches their dream customers. And it's a platform that really doesn't have as many issues as say a Facebook or LinkedIn around life cycle. It's almost evergreen because, you know, if people are coming to the webinar and they're interested, they would be coming to that conference with a lot of the right intent already in place. So that data company doesn't have to worry about, am I reaching them in the right format? Am I reaching them at the right time? And things like that. That channel selection has solved a lot of those issues. So they're two great examples of companies that have really selected the right format as well as the right distribution channel or platform. And I think just on top of that, Kevin, the reason why those virtual conference keynotes and webinars are so interesting is because everyone said 2021 was the year of content and they said 2022 is the year of community. We still think everyone's still trying to work out the whole content thing, but the great thing about yeah. when you choose webinars or virtual conferences is because they're live events, you can open yourself up to questions like from the audience so quickly. And mm. so the purpose of your content should be to get your dream customers to start engaging with you. That is inherently built into that format itself. So that's why you look, if you have the confidence, if you have the people doing it, then that's a really interesting format to do it. Uh, we mentioned them last week, uh, Refine Labs, they host um, Demand Gen Live, which is their live event uh, that they do, I think, every week where marketers go on and there's basically like a Q&A built around a central point. And it's just a terrific way of starting that conversation and a terrific way for Refine Labs to gather directly from marketers what pain points they're having themselves and to, to see if the points that they're making are landing with their target dream customers or not. Yeah, that's a very good point, George. I do remember at that conference, every single session was followed by a Q&A session. So they're really onto building that two-way conversation. There you go. There you go. All right, George. So quick summary and key takeaways from this episode. Listeners, after you've decided who your content is for, what your editorial mission is, what your unique tilt is, all the stuff we covered in the last episode, you need to then pick a content format that works for you, your resident experts, but as well as that, it also should work for your dream customers. You then need to distribute this on a platform of your choosing that your dream customers already hang out on or are starting to move towards, and it should be a channel that makes sense for them. And you should limit yourself to just a few so that you can really get some traction before you start adding layers of complexity to your channel mix. As per usual, you can find links to everything that we discussed in the show notes. Next week, we're going to be discussing the power of content repurposing. We're going to share our own framework that enables us to become content production machines without working overtime. 
except for the recording on the weekend, but that's more a logistical issue with you and I, Kevin. (laughs) And hey, great news, Kev. We've started to get some reviews on Apple Podcasts. So listeners, if you're getting some kind of value from listening to us, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it if one, you could share it with someone that you also think would find it valuable. And two, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a review of your choice. That would be sensational. Thank you so much, listeners, for putting in those reviews. It does really help the show and help us get the message out there. And it's been an amazing help for us. And we really, really appreciate it. All right, everyone. Until next week, take care. And we'll chat to you soon. Cheers, listeners. Catch you then. A quick note before you go, listeners. You can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.